2: Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two movies with something in common go head-to-head to to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we watched what happened when Joss Whedon rehashed Justice League into a two-hour collection of nonsense scenes and warring tones. And today... We find out if two more hours and Zack Snyder back at the helm equals a better movie experience. As from 2021, we talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League.
1: I had a dream. Almost like a premonition. I think there's an attack coming. My Lord, this world will fall. I need warriors. I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves.
2: We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Brothers. I've come to enlighten you. To the great darkness, I will bathe in your fear. I'm Alex Zane.
3: I'm Vicky Crompton.
2: I'm Chris Tilly. So very quickly, at the start of this show, I'm just going to ask you, as I do all the time, uh, but I'm I'm hoping you uh, don't mind, uh, please subscribe to us if you haven't done already and give us a rating and a review if you have the time. And if you do manage to uh, find the time to give us a review, you could hear your review read out by Chris
4: Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Oh, I haven't done it this week. <laughs> oh, my God. Nah, only kidding. Here we go. <laughs> this is from BDI Paulie, who gives us five stars uh, yeah. with the headline, it's really quite good. And uh, BDI Paulie says, around an hour of Chris Tilly being annoyed with Alex Zane and Vicky laughing at them. <laughs> Seriously, it's excellent and my favourite <laughs> podcast. It's really very good.
3: Oh, that's lovely and so true.
4: (laughs) No, I don't think I, I mean, I know the first four or five shows, I was definitely quite annoyed with Alex, but these days, I quite quite enjoy him now.
3: Yeah, you get used to him, don't you? It's funny.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing, I haven't known him as long as you, Vicky, so it's been a steep learning curve. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I'm a bit wearier, further in the journey. Sitting right
4: here, sitting right here. Jeez. Um,
2: Thank you very much, BDI Paulie. That's a very nice review. Uh, If you want to add a new review, Chris will read it next week and it will sound lovely. So this is part two of Justice League versus Zack Snyder's Justice League. These were Victoria's choices. Victoria, Mm. remind us why.
3: Because Zack Snyder's Justice League is a thing. um, (laughs) So I thought it would be good uh, to look at them. And Chris told me it was a good idea and I didn't have the fight to disagree with him. Uh-huh. And how do you feel after four hours <laughs> of that experience? I'm actually feeling quite smug today, um, having done it. I'm, I'm, it's a funny. I'm I'm glad I did it. I will never do it again.
2: That's crazy. I've done it twice already. I've watched the four hour version
4: twice before the what? show.
3: That's mad.
2: It and is for listeners,
4: you know, just to explain when we're recording, this is 24 hours after it launched. We're recording mm. this, so you've watched <laughs> yep. it twice in a day. <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, no, I'm not spoiling it, but
2: uh, it's amazing that I have done that. I realise that. <laughs> I don't have a lot on at the moment, so I do have <laughs> eight hours just hanging around. Like, so why not? Uh, nevertheless, we'll talk about it properly uh, once we get into it. So uh, on Monday, I brought my own brand of justice to the show, and today Chris is covering the Premier League. Chris takes on a journey
4: introducing the first TV show we've ever covered on Clash of the Titles, which is seven episodes of one director trying to right the perceived wrongs of another. The plot of Justice League remains the same, but the story loses brunch banter, unnecessary arse shots, a computer-generated upper lip, and that poor Russian family, but gains a Martian Manhunter, Superman's black suit, a backstory for Cyborg, and a joke about wanking. So going up against Zack Snyder's Justice League, we're discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League.
2: Oh, thanks, Chris. Uh, So... Yes, that joke. That joke about wanking. Please. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there.
4: Um, But obviously, we don't have histories with this film as such. But how did you watch this uh, film? Uh, Alex, you have already stated you've seen it twice. Uh, twice in the same day or once last night and once this morning, and why? Once last night, <laughs> once this morning, uh,
2: because because wine. Uh, <laughs> because I don't I, – I, I, it's amazing. I, like, uh, how much wine you can drink during a four-hour movie is, is quite an astonishing amount. And it, uh, it then does mean that when you come to your notes the following day to write them up for your podcast, you go, <laughs> what, what on earth is that word? I, I actually don't know. And so you do your due diligence of re-watching it again the following morning because wine.
3: That is bananas. And also,
2: wasn't there some sleep involved? There was a little bit of sleep, but my dreams were, <laughs> unsurprisingly, uh, largely based around the film Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> no, I meant so... I
4: meant didn't you fall asleep while watching it?
2: God, no. I'm surprised. Oh. I know Vicky, Vicky struggled with it, but no, I I was... The more wine I drank, the more into it I got. So I was, I was the opposite of sleep. I was, I was energised by this four-hour movie. And I did, fundamentally, I absolutely love the idea of four-hour movies. And can this now become a thing,
4: please? Because, uh, Alex, at 6pm yesterday, mm. you messaged me and Vicky and said, um, genuinely, and this never happens, fell asleep halfway through, now starting again. Did I? Do you yes.
3: not remember that? That's 10 past, that was ten past six.
2: That's
4: wine for you. There you go. Hell. OK. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Sorry to catch you out, but... Let me just check. I'm just
2: checking that someone didn't take my phone. Oh, yeah, no, I did send that message. I'm looking at yep. it right now. <laughs> Well, that wow, message, that message belies just
4: how much wine I'd had at that
3: point. <laughs> yeah, you do end it with fuck both of you, so... Uh,
4: <laughs> Sounds like uh, you. <laughs> uh, Victoria, you also watched it last night, and I did advise you against uh, drinking throughout it because I was worried you it fool- would send you to sleep. You um, So how man. did you get on?
3: I had gin and whiskey, and um, I didn't drink too much, actually. I was... Um, Try not to get hammered because I don't want to send messages uh, that I forget. <laughs> and I don't want to slack off my friends. No, I was fine. I was tired and I did, and I was comfy and you know, I I made the mistake of like getting very comfy and putting, you know, getting a blanket and getting my pajamas on and having loads of whiskey and then I did start to fade a bit in the middle and I was like, no, I can do this. And when, I say I put my head out the window, I mean, I had a fag out the kitchen window, that brought me back to life and then I was fine. You have a garden. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You've what? said this to me, but I think you think I quite like hanging out the kitchen window. <laughs> and I think it's cool or something. You can't, you can't it's really difficult. You can't get to the garden at nighttime because it's in the children's room and we haven't got steps and it's downstairs. It's complicated and really boring. Okay. And it means you've got to lean out of the kitchen window,
4: basically. Chris, how did you watch this movie? I think it might have made me ill. <laughs> I, I was fine when I started watching it, and by the end, I felt really under the weather. Um, and that's kind of stayed with me. So I'm blaming this film for whatever virus I've caught.
2: Well, I've just realised that that text that I sent you guys is true, Mm. and therefore I've watched this film two and a half times. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's quite amazing. That's a
4: record. Um, (laughs) All right, shall we talk a little bit about the background? But obviously it's intertwined with what Alex uh, said on Monday about... Uh, the theatrical cut of this. Um, But in terms of how uh, this version occurred, um, Vanity Fair did a great feature about it, and I'm just going to quote them concerning the Snyder Cut. Uh, They said, For years, DC fans and Snyder enthusiasts beat a drum on social media demanding that Warner Brothers return Justice League to its original filmmaker and allow him to share his version of the movie. They dubbed it the Snyder Cut. The fans could be clever, but many were horrifically toxic. All of them were relentless and they grew more numerous over time. Last May, they finally got their wish when Warner saw the potential to leverage all the free publicity and do something unprecedented on its upstart streaming service, HBO Max. So that's how it all kicked off. There were online petitions and hashtags and it all turned nasty pretty fast. Um, as far as I can see, anyone who joked about the film, i.e., me, on Twitter, received a sizable amount of abuse. Um, as our other social media user, did you get any of that, Alex?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, weirdly, I was I, I was um, a guest on the Empire podcast uh, discussing superheroes, and I brought this up before we actually began talking about it. I was nervous. You know, it's it makes you nervous to actually vocalise uh, an opinion on the Snyder Cut and vocalize an opinion on on this whole debacle. I did do some digging ahead of this episode to find out a little bit more about why It got so toxic so quickly. So I'm quoting a clinical psychologist here who explores superhero archetypes uh, on their podcast, which if you want to listen to it, it's called the Arkham Sessions podcast. Uh, They say, what I've observed is an enduring false sense of ownership, which can manifest as abuse, threats and strong, intense reactions when a story doesn't go their way. Fighting for the unseen cut of the film became a cause and in some quarters the worst behaviour metastasized. Uh, they're shouting and people are listening to them. Even if it's negative comments, they're getting positive reinforcement to continue down that path.
4: Yes, and and it seems to have continued because we're recording this a a day after its debut and Zack Snyder's already been on a live stream um, overnight and I watched a little bit of it where he was stating that the film isn't affiliated with certain fan groups and denouncing some corners of the movement by stating that there's no room for hate in what he's doing and what the film represents. So it's it's continuing to be a little bit unpleasant as well, the sort of conversations around uh, this version of the film.
2: Well, what what's going on now? Surely everyone's happy. They've got their they've got the Snyder cut, and it's clearly the the cut that they wanted. I'm trying to avoid my opinion of it, which is actually a positive opinion. <laughs> I'm I'm, so, I'm sounding weirder than I should, but it's like it, it's great. It, everything worked out. So I'm surprised that it's still
4: happening now. I guess, I mean, for me, I was always sort of just at the beginning. I mean, I didn't talk about it much, but when, if I did, I was just saying that there's no such thing as a Snyder cut. There's just a load of footage that Warner Brothers didn't like. Yeah. And um, Zack Snyder spoke to the New York Times um recently Um, saying that he was very happy with the two hour and 20 minute version that the studio knocked him down to. But then he he, he went on to sort of describe the different version of this film and it does get a bit messy. He says, my point of view is that the movie should be about 20 minutes longer each time. BVS should be 20 minutes longer than Man of Steel and Justice League should be about 20 minutes longer than BVS. I thought the movie should be a little closer to three hours when I initially went into it. I know that's indulgent. The truth is there's probably about 10 Snyder cuts. There's a longer version than the four hour version. There's a three hour version, a two hour and 20. I think I showed the studio two hours and 40 minutes. And then I showed them subsequent cuts of two hours and 30 minutes and two hours and 28 minutes and two hours and 22 minutes. So I don't know. There's 10 more Snyder cuts out there. Any Anyone? Any takers?
3: No. Yeah,
4: bring them <laughs> no. all on. Let's
2: do it all. Um, I mean, he really, he, he found the flames a, a lot. Because like, I think we're at a point now where we can accept that there was no sort of Snyder cut per se, no finished version that could just be a snap of the fingers and it's put out there. It had no VFX, it needed work, and yet there was this image at the start that there was it was just sitting there and he did found those flames a bit because he he posted a photograph uh, which went viral of canisters saying justice league directors cut on them which gives you the idea like it, it makes people believe that you know it, it is ready to go and why aren't we seeing it
4: yeah, I could tell you exactly what he had. He, he says, which I think is quite a strange thing to say, he says, I tend to shoot a lot, but it's really carefully done. It's not like we're just running a second camera. Everything is very methodically thought out. When I sit down to draw the movie, the movie is different than the movie the studio wants or that anybody knows about. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't realise that's how movies work, but um, maybe when you're Zack Snyder, that's how they do work. But th- this Snow called Snyder cut was Zack Snyder asked his editor, Carlos Castillo to put together all the footage as best he could and give it to him, all of that footage that he'd shot. And then when all this nonsense happened, Warner Brothers saw it as a way to generate interest in that new streaming service, HBO Max. They gave him $70 million um, to go away and shoot new stuff and finish old stuff and create basically whatever the hell he wanted um, and whatever the hell we just watched was. And it's four hours long and it's in four by three. And, and, and that's sort of the outcome of all this. Uh, for better or worse, yeah. What is the what's the deal with the four by three thing? Um, I, I tried to look it up because, and I saw lots of posts about it, but I couldn't quite get to the bottom of it. I don't think we've lost anything. I think it was the Joss Whedon version chopped the top and bottom off Zack Sny What Zack Snyder had shot, which was for IMAX. Right. And so I don't think we've lost anything. It's just a bit jarring, obviously, watching on your telly when you're used to watching widescreen. Did you find it strange um, or did you not even notice, Vicky, the aspect ratio?
3: I did not notice. I'm, <laughs> sh- I'm sorry. I'm ashamed to say I did. And not not because I was like, oh, fucking hell. I was, I was into it. I was really paying attention, but I didn't notice at all. I, I, I noticed the colours, the colourisation was different and that was loads better. Yeah, that was it.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, how did you not notice that there were two black lines down either side of the image on your TV screen?
3: <laughs> She's pissed.
2: <laughs> Unbelievable.
3: I tried a new I was, cocktail. I was drunk. New cocktail. Oh, what is it? <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. I'll just tell you the ingredients: So whiskey. Can't remember what type of whiskey. Campari, maple syrup, and something else. Can't remember. I'll have to look it up. I asked Mark what it was shit. called. Wait, really so nice. it's, it's
2: alcohol and massive amounts of sugar simultaneously?
3: Yeah, which was a mistake, <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> Have you
4: been to bed? <laughs> um, yes. So shall we talk about the movie? Yeah. Sure. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's pretty much the same plot. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we're not going to have to go over again. And I think we'll mainly deal with the differences, starting off yeah. with... Um, we kick off, rather than having CGI lip, we, we <laughs> kick off with, with seeing Superman's death again, yeah. but in, in super slow motion, obviously. So good. Um, and his screams can be heard by the mother boxes. Can I, um, um, can I just ask a very quick question? Um, are, are we saving...
2: The verdict to the verdict, or like, uh, are we allowed to at least accept some truths right now about the differing quality of the two films we've covered this week? I mean, are we allowed to celebrate this movie like now? Can we start talking about that now? Because I kind of feel like everyone knows what the verdict's going to be. So, therefore, we should at least acknowledge how much better a movie. This is right. Uh, like, let's, let's say it straight out of the gate. This is a great film. This isn't just a better movie. I honestly, and this is just me. I honestly think this is a great film. A great film. I mean,
4: a four-hour film, but a great film. <laughs> Excellent. Um,
3: oh look, <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm he won't thrown. be
3: drawn on it. will <laughs> What a professional. Sealed I love, lips.
2: I, I love you for that, Chris. I mean, fine. Let's let's
4: let's save it for the verdict. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put the genie back in the bottle, Alex. Um, it's, certainly, it's certainly a more effective opening scene than Mustache Gate. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, yes. his his death scream. It's, it's powerful stuff. What an opening. Haunting. And then we're into part one of six. No, wait, there's seven parts of this film. Um, they've each got a title. The first one is Don't Count on It, Batman um and we've got you know as i say a lot all the way through here we've got similar sequences um but different sequences as well so uh bruce wayne going to find arthur curry is very different in that all the humor has been drained away we've got no i hear you talk to fish mm-hmm. no
3: i
2: um, noticed that and it's we an get improvement
4: more of, we get absolutely it's an improvement weirdly and uh, i'm
2: sure you know Someone knows the actual truth. Weirdly, I, I swear that was Zack Snyder's line. That wasn't a Joss Whedon addition. I, I, I swear I read an interview with Jason Momoa where Zack Snyder had convinced him that the, I hear, you can talk to fish line needed to be put in. So I think this might be, and again, I'm not entirely sure because I couldn't find it, but I think this might be Zack Snyder reacting to like f- like uh, opinions of the previous cut And editing himself, I think he's changed his own work there because I think
4: that line was his. Well, again, I think it's difficult to speculate. And someone you didn't mention um, on Monday or today is the fact that this film does have a screenwriter, Chris Terrio. Yeah, Um, Zack Snyder didn't write the screenplay, so I mean, maybe this is all. A lot of this is down to him. Um, but we've then got we've then got a group of ladies singing a Scandinavian song and then sniffing a jumper. It's all very wicker man very it's really wicker, man. wicker man
3: yeah i mean i thought i thought the song they were singing was really beautiful and very haunting and i get that it's a thread that isn't picked up, but is that woman in a relationship with Aquaman because that's why she's sniffing his jumper because she misses him. Um, But it's what, I mean, I did enjoy this film, but it is huge. I I do think it's bloated. I don't think it needs to be four hours. I will not be the only person that thinks that. And I see a bit like this with um, Icelandic women singing a a bewitching song. You, You don't need that at all. Nice, but you don't
4: need it. It's a woman. Yes, I we've think we've lost some what the fuck moments and replaced them with other sort of weird what the fuck moments.
3: Yeah. I think this Arthur
2: Curry scene is a, a great way to introduce the fact that it isn't always the biggest changes that have made this movie better. It's the little things. And throughout this this film and this Arthur Curry moments, uh, the fact that Batman can speak Icelandic, the fact that the guy says uh, all choppers have been grounded for six days, how did he get here? And you establish the fact that Bruce Wayne has trekked over the mountains and there's that setup, and you see more of that. And It's really small things, but it just, when you put all these little things together, it makes the scene
4: completely different and much more engaging. But it segues into a Nick Cave song, Um, and there'll be another one of those in about 20 minutes. Uh, That (laughs) habit that that Zack Snyder has of using sort of rock songs to try and make you emote when the film isn't doing the job. Because I'm cool with some of the action, not all of the action, some of the action being in slow motion, but we don't need to watch Lois Lane walking around in slow motion. (laughs)
3: When someone was making the flat white, I was like, this has got to be important. Why am I watching a flat white actually being made? Why is she not just take the coffee? Thank you. See you tomorrow. But I'm like, no, I'm gonna see you make the little the, the, the milk leaf. Ridiculous.
4: Yeah, Wonder Woman's yeah, action yeah. scene. Sorry, go on, Alex.
2: No, no, I was. I was uh, it's weird that despite this being double the length of the
4: theatrical version, Lois Lane is still underserved by this <laughs> yeah. film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman gets her action scene again, which is tweaked. Um, I guess improved a bit. It's a bit nastier this time.
3: Mm, it is better, and it was one of the better things about the theatrical release, but it is, it's weirdly better. Um, mm. I like the button on the end where she asks about the little girl and it was like, you can be anything you want to be. And it was like, girl power, etc. cetera. Um, yes, I was going to ask fine. for
4: your permission to not like that, but is that good? Am I supposed no, to? No, uh, it's I, ridiculous.
3: It's so ridiculous. Yes. It's just it's so like cringeworthy. On, Like, hey, women, yeah. yeah, you can do what you like. And it's like, oh, thank, thanks. Good, <laughs> <I> just, good. <laughs> I find it but they, 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 again,
2: little tweaks here and there the throwing of the briefcase into the sky, the way that's done, the way it's edited, much more effective as, a, as an action moment. And also the bit where she goes, boring why did that was (laughs) she's funnier she's so much funnier in this version like he's like we're a reactionary group of terrorists which you think when you first see the original version like the theatrical version you're like oh god that's a bit of a line and she actually references it and you're like oh wow it's like (laughs) this movie knows what i was thinking about the old movie which it clearly does but the moments that the criminals get out of the van with their machine guns, and there's a police officer, an armed officer on the door of the Courts of Justice. And this is why I think this version is great. Again, the little things. In the Joss Whedon version, let's say, he says, drop your guns! And you're like, if you're an armed officer and guys with machine guns get out of a fucking van opposite like your place of work, don't say drop your guns. You just open fire. And in this version, they've lost the drop your guns bit, which made him an idiot. So it's it's really clever.
4: And we then we then um get a repeat of that cutscene with the Amazonians and Steppenwolf um having their chase sequence. Steppenwolf looks A lot better in this version, but I guess that's inevitable when you throw an extra $70 million at the problem. Um, Gold is a difficult colour to pull off, and he wears it well. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I still think he's an awful villain, but there's a bit more to him this time around, and he doesn't look quite as bad. I think he still looks a bit shite.
3: No, there's loads. Well, you can talk about his character. Well, let's talk about it now. There's, there's lots more to him, and it's all to the better. Like I felt sorry for him at the end, and he's just he just wants to go home. And there is, there's time for that in the two-hour, and there's plenty of time for it in the four-hour version, and I really appreciated it.
2: Agreed. Absolutely. The bit where he's like, he'll let me back into oh, yeah. the fold. And- it's quite
3: heartbreaking. All that
2: you know, he is—he's he, a flawed person who's screwed up in the past, and this is his way of trying
4: to make amends. Um, he's been—he says he's been undone by self-pride. Isn't—isn't isn't that just pride?
3: <laughs> yes.
4: There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of words that are longer in this movie than they need to be. <laughs> um, he 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 boomed tubes into Russia and says it's toxic. That's good. And this being Zack Snyder, I was really expecting. Toxic by Britney Spears to start (laughs) off at that point, (laughs) but it doesn't. Instead, we get two minutes of Wonder Woman looking at hieroglyphics.
3: Oh, my God, that Um... bit. Did you not think? (laughs) You know when you're forced to go to a museum by your partner that you don't want to go to, so you're reading the leaflet and you're like, yeah, this was found in like 3000 BC and it's ancient or something, can we go to the gift shop? That's what she sounds like. Like She doesn't sound like she's invested in that exposition. Hmm.
4: No, and we're 40 minutes in here and I, I just wanted it to get going, but it felt like it just slowed down. Um, well, interminably. You, you see, that's that's the problem. You shouldn't have viewed it like that. You can't
2: view this as a regular movie. You should view it as like watching a, a sort of short box set. It's
4: uh, like, it, it, it has different... <laughs> who, who decides that? I, 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 how am I supposed to watch this, this? Am I supposed to watch it as seven separate episodes? No.
2: Oh, God, no. No, bearing in mind that like certain parts are 20 minutes long and other parts are like two hours long. That doesn't work. But you aren't supposed to watch this as a movie, in the sense okay. that it's it's like a it's like a five or seven course meal. You just a different different
4: different servings. That's fine. Okay, that's that's all I've got. Different servings. We got we got more Nick Cage, uh, Cave even. Sorry, not Nick Cage. Nick Cage. <laughs> Are um, you wearing your tracksuit bottoms? Yes. <laughs> um, we get a cameo from um, Willem Dafoe playing Willem Dafish mm-hmm. um, so I'm gonna laugh no <laughs> uh,
2: wait you don't
4: no that's good but it's not that good I not laugh at anything good. to be fair <laughs> <laughs> um, he does a bit of Basil exposition um, as does um, Darkseid's minion uh, Desade in the next sequence he reminds me a bit of Cletus from Flash Gordon um explaining some of the background of Steppenwolf. And then Wonder Woman has to do a bunch of exposition as well, telling Bruce Wayne the story of Darkseid, a sequence that I think they ran out of money for because the CG is very dodgy. Um, But yeah, we're we're told that Darkseid waged war on Earth and he found a secret there. Um, A science so advanced it looked like sorcery, which is a load of bollocks um, in terms of... (sighs) Um, description and he needs to conquer the three boxes we learned about the unity again um, because they're going to transform our world into a copy of the enemy's world and we'll all become servants of dark side alive but drained of life and we see that earth attacked and fought as one back in the day which felt like that sequence felt like an ugly an ugly looking version of the climax of end game remind me what's the cl- oh oh yes 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 Yeah, it just felt like a cheap version of that. And then we're into part three, Beloved Mother, Beloved Son. This is the longest uh, part of the movie. This one lasts 42 minutes. And um, this is where we get a lot more Barry and a lot more uh, Cyborg. So Barry Allen, The Flash, he's being awkward at a pet shop. Sorry. (laughs) um, Where he's going for an interview and then he flashes. The Flash springs into action. His shoes burn off and he rescues Iris from a car accident in slow motion. Mm. as some dirge plays and he pockets a Frankfurter and feeds it to some dogs. Um, this is a scene that was shot and, and just weed and cut. Do you think it added much to the film, Vicky?
3: I did. I think the introduction, I really liked the flash last time around. So I was happy to see more flash um but it means that he gets to be a hero, he gets to be funny, the thing is is quite moving it, the thing with the sausage is a bit weird, but it's fine, but the visually, I was impressed by it, so it did it's too long, but it did a lot of stuff for that character now if if I'd never seen the theatrical version, would I have been like, Oh, I don't need this, but because I did, and I thought that Ezra Miller was brilliant, I was really happy to see more of Ezra miller
2: yeah they've done they've done well by him in so much as. They've got rid of everything that was too much from the theatrical version. Yeah. They seem to add just bad jokes, like like you said at the start the brunch thing. All of that's gone, and he is exactly the right side of lippy
4: and annoying. Yeah. I think my, my only issue is that I remember coming out of the X-Men movies, like, chatting, talking about the Quicksilver scenes. They were so brilliantly... Um, Put on film. And here, I just don't think Zack Snyder's as good an action director as Brian Singer. And so it doesn't leap off the screen in the same way that that they managed to do with Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Agreed again.
2: Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? I think I think that would I I I hate to say it because I do love this movie. And it amazes me that if you look at the Wonder Woman sequence at the start, when she runs along that group of hostages intercepting the bullets, that's brilliant action that is genuinely like goosebumps action cinema and he never seems to be able to quite equal that throughout the rest of the film and i was trying to work it out i think partially it's because action what you see superheroes using their powers in a recognizable environment like a building that you know we might have walked in it's good but when they're in a giant sort of nuclear power bunker thing at the end it's superpowers in that environment it's already an alien environment to the viewer and so it's it doesn't have the impact
4: that it does at the start i also think that super slow motion that he uses should be utilized sparingly uh but rather than pull back on it here he's he's filled about 2 hours with <laughs> with just slow motion so it's i don't know it ceases to become impressive i think and and um, you know you want your action i want my action to be fast as as much as it is slow and yeah i i just think he over exit here um we also see lois holding our uh, superman's cape sadly and i wanted to talk about something you mentioned on monday um Alex, in terms of um, Lois says in the Whedon cut, I wasn't strong, I wasn't Lois Lane, dedicated reporter Mm. um, about Superman's not being around. And and you said this sort of might allude to something that Zack Snyder wanted to have in the film. And so um, apparently Warner Brothers... uh, They said this is from I think this is from the Vanity Fair. Warner Brothers did nix some of the more sweeping notions of Justice League, like adding a romance between Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane, who was mourning Superman's death in the previous film. And this is what Snyder said about it. He said the intention was that Bruce fell in love with Lois and then realized that the only way to save the world was to bring Superman back to life. So we had this insane conflict because Lois, of course, was still in love with Superman. We had this beautiful speech where Bruce said to Alfred, I never had a life outside the cave. I never imagined a world for me beyond this. But this woman makes me think that if I can get this group of gods together, then my job is done. I can quit. I can stop. I mean, I just can't believe he even considered um, putting them two together, especially (laughs) having done the coincidence of their mums having the same name um, in the last film. So now have them both in love with the same woman. I just, I mean... Well done, Warner Brothers, for stopping this, because I think that would have been a disaster.
2: Really? I mean some reasons, yeah. I think the reasons you just said, I mean it can't have happened. But I do think that it gives Batman a much better arc for the movie. This idea that this is his last job, that uh, he just needs to get these people together and then he can retire. Which you don't really get in in this um in this in either version but it, it, it you get an allusion to it alfred keeps banging on about like oh you're getting a bit old mate stop pissing about you know retire and i think it would have been nice to have had that
3: i think it would benefit from a fledgling romance because why not? Like it's a it's a big, massive popcorn film, so why not chuck that in? And then I mean just maybe in the interest of collapsing characters, that's what you do. Cause like Arthur and Mira, that hasn't happened or isn't gonna happen or it doesn't happen here. And Lois and Clark, it's like they're already together. And you you know, you wanna see some two people at the beginning of something. Um, or you know, it wouldn't hurt.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I I think where they've gone wrong ultimately is that I think for for it to really mean something, I think Bruce and Clark needed to have been friends before, you know, it, it seemed like, you know, Batman was responsible for Superman's death. That's where the pain and the the suffering and the, the should have come from. But they just because they've rushed that storyline, we didn't that didn't get a chance to happen. Uh cyborg. Yay! So we've got a lot more cyborg here. Okay. Um uh, we find out Victor's been hacking into systems when he was a schoolboy and, and changing <laughs> grades because he has a good heart. <laughs> And we see him playing American football in the snow, and he scores, but his dad isn't there because he got held up. Like he got held up at the lab.
3: That got cut. Like, it's not a trifling matter, even though, like, it's massively overblown in this version, but it does look beautiful, like the snow falling, and he's, mm. the touchdown, yay! And the way that Ray Fisher, as an actor, looks at that empty seat where his dad should be, that tells you everything you need to know to give a shit about what happens to both of them later on. And I can't believe it would be not included in any version of this, a shorter version of it, but to leave it out is criminal.
4: It's it's good writing, but what I would say is bad writing is giving us a second car crash twenty minutes after we've had a car crash.
3: Good point. Yes. True. I, True. I mean, come on,
4: guys. <laughs> it's not hard. Um but in this second car crash, um, his mum dies, um, he's dying and his dad, Silas, will not let that happen. And um, So he his dad brings him back to life using the mother box and we hear him explaining over a tape recorder what Cyborg's powers are now. He says, everyone is at your mercy. The fate of the world will rest in your hands. You can launch an entire nuclear arsenal with a thought. You can manipulate money. You can fly. He reminded me of the lawnmower man a little bit. (laughs) (laughs)
3: For
4: better or worse. Um, And then we've got a scene where he watches a waitress give a tip to a homeless person. (laughs) then struggle financially herself um so he sticks some money in her account and then watches her when she uh discovers the money and he smiles um th- thoughts on that scene
3: um just i get it <laughs> but, <laughs> but i find it it is i don't know no right thinking person when the when the these days if the ATM says you've won $100,000, you would be like, Well, this is clearly a scam. So like, no. you wouldn't just be like, Yay, we can eat tonight. Like, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't. People are a bit more savvy about, um, you know, tech and viruses and whatever. And you would be suspicious of it, I think. But she's like, Great, take that money. Do you know, did you not find that the
2: fact the movie opens with Superman's death scream echoing around the world? that at that point, you knew subtlety was not going to be very <laughs> prevalent over the next four hours. And so, so was... once you've bought into that, you're like, yeah, of course. Of course he stands there and watches her get $100,000 at a cash point. And she's like, brilliant. That's <laughs> like, this is that movie. This, this movie said it was going
4: to do things like that within three minutes of its runtime. Yes, but that was the moment I started feeling ill. Uh-oh. Oh, there you so... go. Um, it was all downhill from Do think, there. But what um, did you what did you have for dinner? Do you think it could have been something you ate? I had chicken pasta.
2: Uh, chicken doesn't belong um, in pasta.
3: I was going to say chicken w- with pasta on the side, all mixed in. What's the matter with you?
4: Yeah, it's not a thing. And on that bombshell, <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs>
1: That's O-S-E-A, Malibu.com, code GLOW.
3: This week at Sukarnov... On WrestleMe, Mark Haynes has been telling me about the
2: world's tiniest man. Like, you wouldn't remember that guy <laughs> coming in.
4: flopping <laughs> in. Like a big pancake. Massive sort of soft biscuit. <laughs> Are you sure he's six inches? Do you remember him? Do I remember him? Do I remember him? <laughs> Do I? Right, then he isn't six inches <laughs> He's tall. got a very unique body. <laughs> you can also join me on the Luke and Pete show where me and Luke have
2: been trying to come up with excuses for our poor hairstyle choices.
4: Now, more than any other era of my life... I care less and less about what other people think. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It's it's unfortunate. I think we're at the time in life where we've probably got more disposable
4: income than we had ten years ago, and we don't give a shit about what anybody thinks, and that's how midlife crises begin. I buy this stupid thing. I've got a scooter now. I'm wearing a ponytail.
3: All that, and a whole lot more.
4: at Takanov. And so we're back for part two of the podcast and part four of the seven parts of whatever the hell this film is. Uh, part four is called Change Machine. Um... <laughs> oh, I just, I hate <laughs> like that. that?
2: Uh, I just <laughs> when he says they're change machines, it's like that's not. A th- don't say that, like you're trying to embarrass me for not knowing that because those two words have never been put together before now, Cyborg. Oh, yeah, so don't they be have. like. Uh, the change machines. Have, have you they... ever been
3: to an amusement arcade on the seafront? There's a change machine. <laughs> that's what they are. Put pound in, get two peas. <laughs>
4: oh yeah, uh, that's true. So the justice, the Justice League are having a team meeting, and Cyborg shows up at the team meeting. This big robot. No one says hello to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just stuff like that just seems so odd to me. Like, did humans not make this film? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm kind of disappointed that they don't stick to the rule that superheroes fight each other when they first meet I think that's part of the fun of superheroes yeah, um, yeah. but this this film is obviously very much not doing that um, Cyborg does meet Batman here and says I heard about you I didn't think you were real is Batman a secret in this world um, I mean Cyborg's literally followed the bat signal to get to him so I didn't really understand uh, why he said that
2: yeah, that's, he's he's concentrating on this change machine line at this point. He's building up to that. He, he can't wait to get that out. He's not really focused on the moment. He's waiting for someone to go, what is this? So he can shame them by going, uh, it's a change machine?
4: Uh, they headed to battle together um, in a much improved version of this scene. I think, yeah. Alex, you yeah. were pointing out that we needed to sort of see them not working together yeah. first time around. And Flash literally points that out yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of stating we aren't working together. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but right. it's a much better hero moment for Aquaman when he shows up to to save the day.
2: Yep, yeah. and like 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 everything in this in this film, I mean, you know, it, this looks like a coherent visually. Let's just say visually. Coherent, yep. like between scene to scene, it like all the beats are there, and they it, there are goosebumps moments. This is, I kept writing down, this is a work of art because it really f- is. For
4: fuck's sake, how pissed were you when you wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> this is a work of art, and I stand by it. <laughs> I've written this, I've written in this bit, this feels like an ordeal. <laughs> I really do because I don't. I just don't. I'm not getting those goosebump moments or or whatever. Whatever's thrilling you is not thrilling me here, Alex. I just Vicky, like, the, I like the or coherence. not thrilled.
3: Um, oh God, I would settled into it the way that Alex is suggesting you did, which is just sort of um, like. Relax your mind a bit and and let go of like yeah. you expect certain things to have happened by certain points narratively, and just try to go along for the ride. So, but then that's a state of kind of semi stupor for me, and also the <laughs> the gin and the whiskey. So it, I was aware while I was being pushed to be like whoa adrenaline, and and it's it's a really impossible. Thing to judge because I have seen a version of it already which was not great, and so anything mm. that's better is like, fuck me, that's much better, thank you for doing that. But is it actually better? Is it actually good? It's hard for me to say. Chris, okay. yes, it was I, a strange I, I did,
2: thing watching this drinking? so soon. Were you drinking uh, no. watching this? No, no, well, I was, but tea. I, I'm,
3: I'm starting to think
2: that maybe Victoria and I should maybe defer to your judgment of this
4: <laughs> or, or do we just issue a drinking guide over Twitter for what people should drink when they're watching it <laughs> to get into your mindset? <laughs> I mean, I certainly, I certainly felt that the next few scenes, there were way too many speeches. And I think throughout this film, um, there's way too many detailed expository um, speeches that were kind of giving me a headache. We've got Steppenwolf um, telling the story of the Defiance explaining how Darkseid searched the universe for the ultimate weapon, the anti-life equation, the key Ugh. to controlling all life and all yeah. will throughout the multiverse. Um, and then we've got straight after that, well, we, meet, we see Darkseid properly here, all black and lava. Um who, who who explains that he's going to come for his great prize when the earth is scorched. But then Cyborg delivers a speech um, about the Nazis finding a mother box at the end of the Second World War under an Italian monastery, and he he explains the journey of that. And it just felt like speech after speech, to the point that I just thought this film was going to collapse under the weight of all this exposition. And... Did, you, uh,
2: did you notice uh, Granny Goodness standing next to... <laughs>
4: When I'm saying that, I had to Google it, if I'm honest, Alex, but are you a big Granny Goodness fan?
2: (laughs) I'm a a, a fan of the fact that she's in this, uh, in a non-speaking capacity. She's just there. And yes, I had to Google it as well.
4: (laughs) Yes, there is a lot, quite a fair bit of fan service in this film um, that I think casual viewers would not clock but I guess with the, I guess, you know, Zack Snyder was given those $70 million, said, do whatever you want. And so he is making this for the hardcore fans. But um, there are a couple I don't, more head scratching.
2: I, I don't think Go he's, on. I don't think, I don't think he's, um, I think his primary objective is, has been to still make a movie. It's accessible to everyone. I, do, I know there's fan service in there, but I didn't find it. There's one bit which we'll talk about because it's uh, later on that I, I think is, is so unnecessary and so damaging to the film. But ninety percent of the fan service actually doesn't affect your enjoyment of it as a casual viewer.
4: Sure, but I do think he's he, it, it's it's fan service to set stuff up that he knows will never pay off.
2: Well, yeah. well we don't know that. They might, they might, they might go well. Okay. Alex watched it two and a half times, so. <laughs>
4: um, here we learn that the boxes are change machines. <laughs> they, can, they can generate, they can reinstate, they can turn a smoke box into a house, um, which they decide to apply to Superman. Um, but I like the fact that they just seem to know what they have to do here. There's no argument and no chat about him not having a soul. Um, mm. They just get on with it.
2: Yeah, and also Um,
4: Zack Snyder knows that this is a long conversation
2: and how to make a long conversation not seem quite so long is to keep that camera moving. That camera (laughs) never stops
4: moving. It is
2: rotating the fuck out of that scene.
4: And then uh, the end of this uh, part, um, Martha visits Lois at home um, because we find out Lois hasn't been to work since Clark died. They they um have this shared uh, they've bur- they're burned by a secret on top of grief, and she's got to come back to the living, and it's a sweet moment until we realise that Martha is Martian Manhunter. <laughs> what the hell? What <laughs> who the was secret that, that is Secretary of Defence Calvin Swanick, played by Harry Lennox in the previous films. Um, a relatively major character for a Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. So he was Mart- was he Martian Manhunter the whole time, Alex? <laughs> I I honestly don't know. Um, i I, I, I why didn't he get involved? Why didn't he get involved? He could have... They didn't need Superman.
2: Yeah. I'm so pleased that they waited until the very end of the film for him to say, call me Martian Manhunter, because that's not an easy name to just drop into conversation. (laughs) Just call me Marty.
4: (laughs) Who says the whole name when you do that? Yeah. (laughs) This is a disaster this 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 uh, this, this scene the, the, yes. the, the, <laughs> I, I, you, I mean i I don't think they should have done it at all, but certainly not do it here just 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 have it at the ending because here you, for the next hour you're scratching your head, a waiting for him to come back and b trying to figure out what the hell this was all for and c like I mean it's my
2: change, so I'm going early, but like what way to undermine a reasonably touching scene between Martha Kent and Lois Lane. That whole scene is like, wow, Martha is doing the right thing and and helping Lois out of her funk. And then, oh, wait, there was an entirely
4: different objective because it's Martian Manhunter. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do that, you'd be acting in a way that someone wouldn't naturally act. But that's something that Martha would do. So... I don't know. Did Martha? Sh- I wouldn't be surprised if Martha showed up an hour later and had the same conversations with her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we're 140 minutes in now, and we're on to part five. All the king's horses. Um. Yeah, they're running annoyed- out
2: of they're running out of quotes
4: here, aren't they? Because <laughs> no, it, it it almost
2: feels like I think if I'm right, I think all the king's horses is said by Alfred. When he's not in vision, so it almost feels like they've gone. We want to call this chapter "All the King's Horses," but no one says that. So can we uh, can we ADR in Jeremy? Ives, just say over Zoom. Can we get him on Zoom? Just say "All the King's Horses," so we
4: can call it that. They should have called it "I'm Always Dressed." The line that Cyborg says, <laughs> it which is quite a really the punch. I don't know. Well, and also it's a really shit version of Hulk's line, "I'm always angry," which is a yeah. really good line. Yeah, um, I
3: mean, he does his best with it, bless him. I'm always dressed. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> me too.
4: <laughs> uh, Lois picks up her press pass from her drawer. Yeah. Was was this not a weird moment?
3: It's really weird because she, there's a pregnancy test there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. But it's not; it can't be an old pregnancy test because they are covered in piss once you've used them. So you don't keep them, you throw them away, obviously, unless you're very strange and you want to keep this wee soaked bit of cotton wool in your bedside drawer. But then she runs off to the bathroom, I think. <laughs> so I think she was like, oh, I've, I've got this pregnancy test and I want to take it because I've got a feeling, but I haven't taken it. No, I'm going to do it now. So she goes to the bathroom to take the pregnancy test, but you, you don't get any clue, unless I missed it, that
4: of what the result has been. So what's the point? you've got four hours zach either do something with that or cut it out um, yeah exactly and we've got sort of the mission impossible sequence now where they've got to bring the mother box and superman's corpse to his spacecraft to wake him up um i think the most interesting thing about this sequence now is cyborg's uh nightmare with a k um wikipedia tells me um where he sees Wonder Woman burning on a pyre and Arthur dying in Atlantis mm. and Superman cradling Lois's um, dead body, um, which is going to come back in slightly confusing fashion in the epilogue. Um, it just had me quite confused here. Did did you guys know what was going on here?
3: No, but it it's jeopardy for what we'll call the running around bit that Flash has got to do, which was missing in the other version, so I liked it. Because it. it I, I think it's a bit cheap, but I kind of bought it when... Uh, the flash shouts go, but Cyborg's going, no. And he's like, is it go or no? And it's very important (laughs) that you understand the difference. But that's that's a bit cheeky, but, you know, it it can have a pass. But just a tiny bit of jeopardy in, in what is otherwise just watching someone run at a pond, I mean you need do you something.
2: Not think, do you not think in that moment though it, it, I, I agree with you that it it it, it, well, it was much um, it was much better having the stupid confusion between no and go which sound like entirely different words but should cyborg not have reached for him or should there not have been a moment where Ezra miller as he reaches the pool as the flash reaches the pool you you see cyborg tries to stop him and yeah. he comes through on the no thing because it's like he it, he has the no moment but then when the Flash runs in. He's not trying to stop him. There's no mm. There's no reference again to that bit. And I think yeah. there should be. I think that it should be that Cyborg's changed his mind at that point, but
4: he can't stop The Flash because he's yeah. moving too mm. fast.
3: Yeah, agreed.
4: I like that. Make that your change, Alex. Um, the Superman fight is largely the same, but they much improve... Um, what's happening with the mother box because in the Whedon version they ask where the mother box is and because they've left it on top of a car Steppenwolf has left with it
3: <laughs> which is
4: pretty much the worst bit of that film uh, here the mother box has gone but that's because Silas Stone has grabbed it um, And he has run away with it. Steppenwolf chases him. Um, Silas is in danger, so Cyborg comes to rescue him, his father. Um, We think Silas has messed up by destroying the mother box and killing himself in the process. But really, he was heating it up to market to try and save everyone. So it's an act of bravery here. Um, which I think vastly improves this sequence. It doesn't work, though, does it? Let's be honest.
2: Uh, son watching his father die in a film like this should be a genuine <gasps> heart-in-the-mouth moment, and it isn't. It isn't at all. I, I didn't I didn't get a lot from this scene because it's unclear at that point what Silas's motivations are and what, in fact, he's trying to do. It's not yeah, even mm. like... You're not even clear that he's trying to destroy it at that point. He just seals himself in this room and kills himself, and you're like... Why? Why did he do that? And because yeah. that's the overriding question, you don't get
4: any of the emotion. Like you need to know
2: that he's doing something good.
3: Yeah, I agree.
4: It just yeah, you're it, right. it, I mean it, I did I did initially write he's done a shitty job here until I realised what you was You just feel
3: happening. like he's done he's killed himself for no reason and you yeah. think it's yeah. a mistake and then yeah. it gets cleared up really quickly, but it's distracting you don't you know felt very really sorry for Victor, but I was still just like, why has this happened? And then it's too late. What well, the moment's passed.
4: Okay, I take it back, that bit shit as well. Um, and, then, and then we're into part six, uh, Something Darker, which I thought was going to be the final part. Um, 39 minutes long, this one. Um, it kicks off with um, Lois and, and Clark having that weird chat about him smelling, so that stayed in the film. No. Um, thanks for that.
3: No, that's not in it.
4: Yeah?
3: Yeah, she I says d- you smell good, and he said, oh, do, did I not before? Um, and it's yep. really weird, he sounds like a, a robot. And yeah. it just threw me last time. I thought that it was Wonder Woman that said it to him last time. I'm still convinced it is. So a woman says to him, "You smell good," and he can't. There's it, it does, it does literally no way he can. Yes, is that still and that's in this here. version. Yeah, yeah you watched it two and a
4: half times, Alex. It's definitely wow. still in wow. this version. Uh, but I think they've added here, if I'm not wrong, that he's the, the re, he reunited with his mum here, which is a really lovely yeah. moment. That was And I new... don't think that was it. It was. was. that in the original version? Yes, 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 yes.
2: Yeah, because I, I think I said on the show that it's amazing what, um, what Diane Lane can do with one look that didn't come across in about five minutes of chats between Lois and Clark. Like, there's you, in the theatrical version, you don't get any sort of sense of their love for each other, and yet the way she looks at him when she steps out of the pickup is like, oh, my God,
4: oh wow yeah. that's so beautiful uh but the, clark says to them they wanted me back for a reason and i need to find out why yes you do clark get a wriggle on <laughs> yeah. i mean I, this is this is just bizarre to me that he's hanging around because in about 10 minutes he's going to show up at alfred's and yeah. say oh i'm assuming you're alfred i mean this bloke is supposed to be able to hear pain and suffering all over the world his friends are in danger and the world's ending but he's making house calls it, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but, uh,
2: that bit was in one of the original trailers and i i can't help but feel that was it's such a good trailer moment because you don't see superman in the trailer you just see alfred going i hope you're not too late or something so yeah it feels like a moment that was made for a trailer so people knew that superman was coming back Okay.
4: Um, uh, Bruce is at his desk talking about a dream or a premonition that he had about the end of the world, which we previously see, but he needs to remind us that Barry, at the moment, Barry told him that Lois was the key. And he thinks uh, that's more than just the key to Superman's heart, but something darker, which kind of pays off um, in the epilogue. So we'll cover that then. But we do have to fill in quite a few Blanks. Um, in terms of um, fan service, uh, Superman finding and donning his black suit, I think is an issue here um, because it's obviously a nod to the 1990s um, Death of Superman storyline, but it's not really given any context here, um, which would have been easy enough to do. You know, while he's on the talking ship. <laughs> <laughs> um we could learn something about that suit but it's just it's just purely done for a visual so i don't even know why he's put the black well, suit on
2: seeing as the talking ship is like every time someone walks down a corridor on that ship the ship gets out all the different outfits that are stored in it and displays <laughs> yeah. them to the person which is uh, just an odd thing to do anyway uh, like that's like walking past your wardrobe and your wardrobe opening every time, and going, Look at this outfit. This is in here. And you're like, Why? Why are you showing me that wardrobe? I don't want to know about that outfit. I'm just busy doing something else. And to actually then not mention why he's wearing a black outfit, having had the wardrobe
4: opening every time, is insane. Yeah, and, and also he's hearing, you know, when he's on that ship, he can hear the voice of his father, played by Russell Crowe, um, who has spoken to him on that ship. Why is he also hearing Kevin Costner's voice? <laughs> no, all right, I thought you I thought might be able to explain it to me, but no, he's no, just hearing no. voices. Uh, he does his old Christ pose again. I mean, I think we're done with the Christ metaphor at this point, but one more time, and then we're into the action um, sequence, um, which I'm guessing you're a fan of, Alex, from what you've been saying.
2: 100 percent and also because thank goodness they got rid of that stupid red sky uh, yeah thank god the,
4: the, the color palette of this this
2: whole end sequence is much better personally i still hate the fact that they've transported them to this middle of nowhere place to have this battle i i wonder if it was the fallout of man of steel and the climax of that, where so many innocent people died because the battle was in the middle of Metropolis. And so, you know, do you remember in Batman versus Superman where they made a point of saying, yes, the battle is happening at the old harbor or the, the, the place where there are no people? So that's why that's okay. They can have this big fight because there's no one else there, no civilian. I think they actually say no civilians are going to get harmed and whether they're following through on that. I remember being on the set of this film, Justice League, and Ben Affleck saying to me, um, I, I just find it astonishing <laughs> that you know we got uh, called out for um, you know civilian casualties. That's what happens in the Marvel movies. I'm like, you're right, Ben Affleck. That is what happens in the Marvel movies. And then what? <laughs> well, um, well, then Gal Gadot was like. Remind me again what you tried on my outfit. <laughs> yeah.
3: I couldn't good. stop thinking about that Call this back. time because I knew Call that. Back. When you first said it, I was like, oh, "That's creepy and weird," but whatever. <laughs> but now, in this version, she is a bit scarier. In this version, I think, and, and a bit harder, and that's all to the good for me. But I can just imagine her thinking, like, "What? What is? Ha- why is this all right? Like, why is this weird little skinny man put my clothes on?" <laughs> Like did you like did you have pants on? York, like I don't see. Think I was you... trying
4: to get this is what I was trying to find out on Monday. Right,
3: all right.
2: <laughs> just just so this doesn't become a weird thing. Did, did you I, strip I, down I, naked I, and no, put it on? I put it on <laughs> over my clothes. Okay, oh, so it okay. wasn't weird. Now it's it's less funny than imagining imagining no. But did you
4: put her shorts on over your clothes? <laughs> her shorts. She's doesn't
2: she wear shorts? shorts?
4: I don't
3: think what? she does.
4: All right. Um, I'm going to disagree with you guys on it, the colour scheme because although I didn't like um, the red from the theatrical version, this was so grey. Uh, the, 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 the ground was grey. The sky was grey. The backdrop was grey. And it made all their costumes look grey. And I found it really hard to look at. And I struggled to see what was going on at points. It felt like Fifty Shades of Grey. And I didn't think it was an improvement. Um, i I genuinely had to rewind bits because i I couldn't see quite what was happening it looked cool that we had the batmobile in action but i couldn't always make out what he was doing
2: yeah i thought i thought it was better than the theatrical version um i agree you know it's uh, this is what i was saying that's why the Wonder Woman action sequence at the start is so good because it's set in bright light yeah. and you get to see everything. And this is just like you said; it's it's dark and muggy. And also, they haven't changed the fact that Batman is at his best when he steals an alien's gun and uses that. And you're like, <laughs> why? Why is that bit still in it? He should be Batmaning this, <laughs> not just going. I love that. I love that and I'll use that against you and suddenly I'm the best I've been in this entire movie
4: at (laughs) defeating people Uh, Superman is late to the party uh, meaning they fail and Earth starts burning up while Steppenwolf opens a boom tube portal to Apocalypse where we see uh dark side um waiting to take over the earth and and claim the anti-life equation i can't believe i'm saying this bollocks um so uh to say it makes you
2: feel better chris anti-life is something that i won't ever say out loud (laughs) that's the part where i'm like did i how long was i asleep what's (laughs) anti-life
4: and then Barry Barry does the the Superman one uh trick and the Barry Allen trick as well of running faster than the speed of light even to make um his own future and to make his own past so he goes back in time just enough to prevent the disaster and give Superman time to help separate the the mother boxes with Cyborg and then Aquaman um skewers Steppenwolf and Wonder Woman cuts off his head, and they send his corpse hurtling through the portal. Um, it's a more satisfying climax than um, what happens with the Parademons and Steppenwolf in the theatrical. Yeah, you
3: know, I was thinking it's, it's not just to make a lame joke, but. The paradigm thing with the first one—they're like, oh, they can smell fear, right? So, in theory, if you wear a very powerful deodorant and you're Steppenwolf, they can't smell you, so they can't eat you or whatever it is they do. You i don't think it should just be all predicated on smell. I don't.
4: I don't think. I don't think deodorant masks fear. Of course it does. It, it yeah, masks it does. Sweat.
3: Yeah, and when you're scared, Sla- it's
4: wet. Slap on some Lynx Africa, that masks
2: everything. <laughs> but that
3: does mask a lot. Yeah, that goes a long way. That Common makes sense. Me, it, well, when I get a sniff
4: of Lynx Africa, I'm just in 1985, 1995 <laughs> all over again. It's...
3: Yeah, plain spin the bottle. Brilliant. <laughs>
4: So what now? Um, and so we are at the end of the climax. Um, we learn that Darkseid um, isn't done. he will stop at nothing to possess the anti-life um, before his boom tube inexplicably Ooh. disappears. And he says, ready the armada, we will use the old ways. What does that mean?
3: It's still know, a bit scary, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, come on.
2: It means instead of teleportation and all that nonsense, the old ways, uh, we're going to arrive on their planet with a fleet of ships and blow the fuck out of it. That's what it means, Mm. the
4: old ways. Classic warfare, conventional warfare. And now we're in the epilogue, Alex.
2: Right. Um, Is this, did this happen? Or, I mean, I know he wakes up and it's a dream. Is this going to happen? What is this? Why is this? Why, well, why I was is gonna,
4: this? I was going to get to that. I think before we have the dream, I think there's quite a poignant moment where um, Cyborg picks up the tape and listens to his father talking to him from beyond the grave about his failings as a parent, which I think is really sort of sad, poignant moment, bearing in mind, I think this is something that Zack Snyder's added in after his own family tragedy. And that's who the film is dedicated to, his daughter. So I do think we have a very moving moment here, followed by Uh, One of these fan service moments I'm referring to, um, setting up um, Ryan Choi um, as the director of nanotechnology at Star Labs. Do you know why that is, why that's happened? I was going to Google it. I didn't. Go because on. it
3: becomes, is it Atom, The Atom, something?
4: Oh, Vicky, I didn't know you were such a big Whoa. Atom fan. Do
3: you know what? I've got, <laughs> the kids have got a book about all the Marvel characters and a book about all the DC characters, and they make me read it cover to cover. And it's quite, it's, so there's weird comic book knowledge that's quite in depth in my brain, which I can't link to anything else, but I know that. There you so go. So were you
4: whooping when this happened oh, yeah. or did you just... I was getting them up. Just... Kids, get did... out
3: of bed. You'll never guess what Zack Snyder's got and set up. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's midnight. I know I'm drunk. Get
4: up out of bed. <laughs> Good. Because I just shrugged. Um, and we've also got a repeat of the Deathstroke introduction. Um which again is the same but different. So he, he meets Lex Luthor on his boat and Lex Luthor tells him that Batman's real name is Bruce Wayne, which is supposed to be a sort of gosh moment, but it just feels like, I don't know, They, they in, in the other Batman films, they set up the secret identity so carefully that it's like a big deal, whereas here none, none of these... Everyone these, knows
2: um, everyone.
4: Literally everyone yeah. in this movie goes Bruce Wayne's
2: Batman or throughout yeah, yeah. the film. That's why it's not a surprise. And also, um, I just hate that death stroke moment because he picks up an empty glass of champagne. I know it hasn't been poured yet, but he picks it up like, this is a moment to celebrate and there's nothing in it. And you, like, <laughs> you'd like you pick up the bottle at the same time. You'd do it differently. No one picks up an empty glass and goes, time to celebrate. It's like, well, then you're going to have to put it back down and pour the champagne into it. What?
4: You are a hundred percent correct. <laughs> Uh, and then we get uh, what you're referring to, Alex. So you're asking if it's a dream or a nightmare with a K. Um, I guess it's this alternate timeline. Um, Darkseid has mentioned the multiverse earlier. That's where these DC movies are heading with or without Zack Snyder. So this is a an alternate timeline where we see this wasteland um, where it's the T, the Justice League is now Batman, Cyborg, Flash, who's looking like he did in his Batman v Superman cameo rather than, he does in these films, and they're working with Deathstroke and Mirror, and the Joker, who's sitting on a car wearing a SWAT jacket. Oh.
3: <laughs> Do you not like not,
2: Jared Leto? N- not, not even <laughs> delivering the line, we live in a society, like, that is in all the trailers. Like, it's even been edited out since the trailers. It's so
4: weird. It, this, is, uh, this is something that was brand new that Zack Snyder has said he was going to shoot in his backyard if Warner Brothers didn't give him the additional money to shoot it. And, I mean, it looks like it's been shot <laughs> in his backyard because it's just close-ups on faces, isn't it? Or two faces, really. Yeah.
3: With, yeah, he, with, he,
4: with jokers. He, he wanted to shoot this because he was, I mean, quite, possibly
2: quite rightly, he, he was concerned that he would never, ever ever, 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 get to play with these characters again. And he couldn't end his DC... Um, his time with DC characters without having Batman and Joker come face to face in one of his films. That's
4: why he. And shot my me. response to that would be, do it better, Zach. Because <laughs> you've got you've got Joker saying deep stuff like, "How many dead eyes can you look into until you're dead inside yourself?" And then segue into wacky stuff like, "You can't kill me. I'm your best friend. Besides, who's going to give you a reach around?" Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. So <laughs> how did so, you forget so, about that? So, if you, aren't, if you aren't a regular listener to our podcast, let me fill you in on something. Vicky considers a reach-around to be the moment in a romantic comedy where the boy shows a girl how to play pool or a girl shows a boy how to make pottery or something like that. Mm-hmm. Alex and I think it's a wank administered from behind. Which is he referring to here? Vicky, what kind of reach-around is he talking about? This
3: is the trouble, Chris, because with this, context is everything. And I was like... But Jared Leto, you're not going to show Batman how to use that gun, so so I was like, oh no. So you mean the other one? And it's that's a, that's cheap, and and I don't like that one bit. Now you two getting a bit close, maybe learning to use, I don't know, playing a fruit machine, or um, here, let me help you make that cup of tea, or whatever it would be. Oh no, look, I happen to have brushed the back of you with some of my genitals, or whatever. Absolutely fine, because early on, he has a little moment with Wonder Woman where they both touch a mouse together and he's like, what? That's awkward. And it's like, not really, but (laughs) fine. (laughs) So it's been set up that he understands the concept of the rom-com reach-around because the mouse classic moment. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that that's what he meant. Um, But he meant meant what reach-around
2: means. That's that's the only meaning of reach-around. He said it and he used it in in the
4: way that reach-around is only ever used <laughs> it just puts it just puts a, an image in my brain that i didn't need put there
3: yeah right yeah <laughs> it's not even even when i got on board with it i was like oh if that's what you mean York. Uh, <laughs> like, i don't no, that's not not enticing
4: and and i feel like he's almost being cruel here as you say alex he's he's doing a lot of stuff that he knows he's not gonna get to do in the sequel so he just drops a lot in about um you know, you Joker says you need my help to undo this world you created by letting her die, referencing Lois. Um, he says, in how many alternate timelines do you destroy the world because um, you don't have the cojones to die yourself? He he alludes to the fact that he killed um, Robin because he sent a boy wonders to do a man's job. Uh, Batman talks about Harley Quinn begging him with her last breath to to kill the Joker slowly, and it's just a lot to take in and. I don't know. I felt like it was cruel. On who? On Batman? On 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 the audience, really, just to oh, okay. just to chuck all this cool stuff that has happened that we'll never get to see.
3: Yeah,
4: I don't know. I, I it like took it me was... by
3: surprise because when I've seen the press for this film, the there was a fun article about the Joker's uh, costume being what's it the. Um, the sort of Donatar-esque look. It's got, it's got a name, something core. Cool. Fuck, I can't remember what it is. Um, and it's like this high literary styling. And there was a picture of what, who I thought was a joker in wearing like a, a romantic, you know, the romantics, like sort of Percy Shelley and all the rest of it. A gown? And I was like, oh, that's a fun look. Why not? Like, that's the next version of this. So I was just distracted. I was like, when's he going to put a nighty on? Because he appears to be wearing a SWAT vest and these weird gloves. And it threw me. So I was. But then all these other little snippets. It was. It was fun. Maybe he will get to do it. Well,
2: maybe not him. But there was. Um, there was a. I think it was Vanity Fair. Was it Vanity Fair or Variety? There was one where he was wearing a crown of thorns like Christ. Um, yeah. A publicity shot that just never manifested in the film.
3: So, are you allowed to do that, like publicity shots that appear to be stills but then aren't stills? I felt I felt a bit cheated because of that. I think the thing
2: was because, like Chris said, the Joker scenes were filmed during lockdown and COVID. Mm. He was sent a lot of outfits to his home and put a lot of outfits on at home as trip tests uh, for Zack Snyder. So Zack Snyder would watch them on Zoom. Trying on these different outfits, and that was one of them. But oh, I they see. decided. And, and
4: okay. you do often get publicity still sent out that are of them in their costumes, not necessarily from the film, but just sort of okay. posing. Okay. Um, but in terms of that sequel, Vicky, he, uh, Zack Snyder has actually revealed what he had planned for Justice League 2 and maybe even three. He said he told New York Times it's the fall of Earth when Superman succumbs to anti-life and then sending Flash back in time to change one element so that doesn't happen. And then the big battle where we beat him when Darkseid comes to Earth in the movie that you'll never see, the armies of Earth all unite again as they did before. This time there would be aircraft carriers and special forces guys. All the armies of the world would come together as well as Atlanteans rising out of the ocean and um coming off the island. This was our big finale, but it's a long drum roll and guitar solo to get there. Um, And and all of that made me very relieved. We're not going (laughs) to see that sequel, to be honest.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I quite like the epilogue. I want to see that movie. I want to see that movie where Batman and Joker are forced to work together, that loads of people are dead. Mira is mourning Arthur Curry. um, Flash is not as uh, chipper as he once was. I I thought that epilogue
4: was a lovely taster for a movie that we'll never see because i quite like to see that movie. I'm just not a fan of uh, some of those people as some of those characters. I think that's my problem uh, in terms of Jared Leto and, and um, Mira. Um, just, I don't know. I'd rather see this one. But we're not done yet because we've got the Martian Manhunter showing up um, to tell Bruce that Darkseid isn't done and war is coming and then saying, some call me the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> That is literally the last line of the movie. Can you believe that? I couldn't
2: even hear what Bruce Wayne said afterwards. I think he mumbled something about... Because I was literally like, you're ending a movie on an introduction of a a new character and it's a stupid name and that's the end of your movie. We've been on this journey and it's like, some call me Martian Manhunter. Bye-bye, everyone.
4: (laughs) It just made me feel like he doesn't care. And I know he does. And, uh, you know, God, I know I'll get all the, the Snyder bros messing me about that. But, like, if he wanted to bring his story to an end here, as he says he had to, then bring, it, bring your story to a, a conclusion. Um, although it's not quite done. He flies off because there's one more death in the film. Um, because really? a singer called Alison Crow murders Hallelujah over the end credits. Oh man, Ugh. it
3: was bad. It was really bad. I don't know. Like with the, with superhero films, you like have to flick through the credits just in case something important pops up. But it was like very late by this point. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Flick, 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 and then it comes back. It was like Hallelujah. I was like, what, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible.
4: Terrible use of music in this film. Um, so I guess my question would be why why didn't we get to see the movie he would have made? Um, and do you th- was he expecting to tell that story in two hours and 20 minutes? That's the interesting thing, isn't
2: it? I, I, I don't quite understand. This cut that he showed Warners, which was the final uh, nail in the coffin for him being able to do this and then bringing Joss Whedon on, he showed them this cut which
4: was... Uh, about three hours, 45 minutes. You, and keep, they saying that, but I, but you keep saying that, Alex, but it's, he he said it was two hours, 20 minutes he delivered to them and that he was happy with. That's what he, that's what he told the New okay. York Times a couple of weeks ago.
2: Well, there, there, there was a cut that he showed them. Regardless of Len, there was a cut that he showed warners that they, it, that it, rumour came out that they had described it as unwatchable. So there was a cut that he provided for them. That they thought was so bad that they had to get Joss weeded in. Now I don't, I don't know, I don't know how that can have been. I, I don't know what he could have showed them that was so bad because clearly watching this movie, it's not bad. It's not a bad film. There's, there's, there's
4: and, do you know what I mean? Uh, no, I'd, I'd rather not go on the record yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we really still waiting for the verdict? All right, fine. Let's wait for the verdict. I just I just don't know why. I, I, I kind of wish we could have seen the movie he would have made rather than whatever this is, because this is not what he had signed up for. This is not what he planned. And I don't know. So I don't really know what it is. Um, I don't this know how we is, got
2: here. I've got... No, this is the movie that he intended us to see. Like, it would not have been this long
4: if he'd released yeah, that's it that's what i'm directory. talking about. so it isn't so we we would have got a 2 hour 20 minute movie which is what he'd signed up for and what he cut together and now because of all this nonsense online we get this 4 hour hodgepodge that's that's split up into seven sections um and it's it's neither here nor there it's not a tv show it's not a it's not a film i don't know what it is uh, well i think this is preferable
2: to him, to Zack Snyder, than whatever the two-hour, 20-minute cut was. So ultimately, this is what he wanted us to see. And if he'd been allowed to release a three-hour, 52-minute, which I think this is what this, this clock's in at, in the cinema, he would have done. But this is, this is fundamentally what he wants us to see. He would have released it as oh, a 2 Oh, th- this, hour... this is
4: now. This is now what he wants us to see. Yeah. But back then, it isn't, because he was going to make uh, Justice League 2, which was going to... You know, this, this epilogue would have been in a different movie. Um, probably would have been the start of a different movie, so we 've ended up with something that 's just as i say i 'm just the whole thing's giving me a headache trying to figure it all out um, I, i've got one last quote from him before we do the bits this is, He was asked uh, by the New York Times what he thought about um, Wonder Woman and um, Aquaman being better received than his movies, and he said those movies are cool and they 're really well made and excellent, but Batman v be Superman, love it or hate it. It's probably the most mentioned movie in hashtags and references. It's the closest thing to a cult film that could exist at this level of pop culture. Am I provocateur? A little bit. It's my job to make some pop culture piece of candy that you can eat and forget about the next day. Nah, I would rather fuck you up in a movie than make it nice and pretty for everybody. Let's be frank, there's no cult of Aquaman. Jason is a force of nature and by all means I want there to be 100 Aquaman movies because he's an awesome guy. But it's not controversial and I have purposely, because I love it, made the movies difficult. And I feel like some of the stuff he chucked in at the end here was just trying to be controversial for the sake of it rather than what he meant going into this story. Yeah, it upsets me too. You know,
2: I don't like to hear quotes like that because, as I've always said, it's better that someone else calls you a
4: provocateur <laughs>
3: than you do it yourself. <laughs> but
4: and, I mean, And it's weird to want to be mentioned in more hashtags than other people's films. I think that's a weird desire as you well. Need to
2: call a movie of your own, it's the closest thing to a cult movie in the modern <laughs> era of pop culture. Mine is the closest thing. It's like, what? what, what? You don't need to say that. I a $150
4: million dollar cult <sighs> movie. I
2: sat on Monday's <laughs> episode and I told you that Batman vs Superman, Superman is a great movie, but it's for other people to say that. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a weird quote. But... <laughs> He's been through right, a lot. Let's do the bits, with... He's then. been through the mill, though. You know, he's been through the mill with Warner's. I think you can't forget that. You know, they, they they did a number on him, and he's probably carrying some resentment for them. Yeah, let's do the bits. So,
4: scene, uh, Victoria.
3: Um, it's the the fight at the end in the reactor. Weirdly, I do agree with you that it was a bit difficult to follow. But since I already knew basically what was going to happen, then it wasn't so much of a problem. And. I like the fact that they all contribute to killing Steppenwolf in quite violent ways, and uh, and it made me feel sorry for Steppenwolf, which is quite an achievement, but also for the bit with Cyborg in that where he goes into the boxes whatever they are and there's those three sort of uh, the three people pretending to be him and his family and then they're like these weird spooky ghoul things and he says I am not broken and I'm not alone and I was like that's how you do that isn't it like to make him seem like part of the team so you contrast that with the other version which is there's nothing wrong with this but it's weird it's fun to see why they, one works and one doesn't so when he's talking in the uh, theatrical version about going into the boxes or doing whatever and Wonder Woman says to him you know it's going to be really hard basically this is what she says but we've got you you're you're part of the team we will get you back and they don't really and the better way to show that he feels part of something is for him to say it rather than someone else to say it and i thought it worked brilliantly
4: good shout um alex uh
2: it's uh weirdly i think i picked this on monday um but i'm picking it again (laughs) because it's still the best moment which is uh the wonder woman introduction the whole scene the her running along uh intercepting the bullets it's done better here because she's also allowed to be funny. Like when someone does say to you, can you imagine if, if you met someone in a bar and you're like, what do you do? And they'd be like, so I'm part of a reactionary group of terrorists are small in number, but big in boring. That is what you would say. And the fact that Wonder Woman actually gets to say that is
4: brilliant. Good choice. Uh, My scene is, um, again, like you, it's something from the other version as well. But I felt like it hit better here. And it's that moment when Superman's reunited with his mum. I found it very moving this time out.
3: Yeah.
4: I don't know why. You
2: should rewatch both versions. I mean, granted, the theatrical version, uh, the build-up to her arriving is so god-awful, which is where Lois is going, yeah, I was rubbish until you came back, but now you're back, everything will be fine. And he's like, yes, it will, because I'm back. That makes you so angry that you lose the um, the power of his mum turning up. But it's actually identical. That shot of yeah. her arriving is, um, it's is just,
4: it's, beat for beat. It's, so. got, it's got that emotion that I feel like these films completely lack, like they've been made by a computer or a cyborg. Like that mm-hmm. was the one moment where I felt, oh, I'm feeling something here.
2: Mm.
4: Uh, most valuable whatever, Alex.
2: Zack Snyder. Um, He's never going to be everyone's cup of tea, but, you know, he was given the opportunity to put his vision on screen. Can't have been easy having to watch someone change what you'd made and still have your name on it. Uh, And finally, we get to see what he wanted. And yeah, it'll still be Marmite for a lot of people. But for me personally, I think this is such an insane <laughs> way of making a justice league movie that i cannot help but be impressed that this is what he decided to do with the justice league and this is the tone of that movie and to look at what marvel are doing and raking in a, a billion dollars here and there and going uh-huh. i got a different take on it it's kind of sad and tragic but here we go i love it so zack snyder
4: Vicky?
3: Well, I would like to give a shout-out to uh, Ben Affleck as Batman because I've had a big turnaround because I've moaned to you before that he wasn't my Batman and I avoided <laughs> watching him. But in this version, he just doesn't seem like an idiot <laughs> so much and he felt like a proper hero. And I, th- I thought that the it's amazing what a different version can do because I really didn't like Batman in the other version. But my actual MVW is Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Because he is really good... And he's got this huge arc, but also similar to the feelings that you were talking about Zack Snyder must have had over the last few years. Imagine if you're Ray Fisher and you've been excised wholesale almost from the other version and you know that you're good and your participation in this film makes a massive difference because in the first film that we watched, I was like, who is this person? Why do I care about this? And he went from that to basically being like the main guy for me in this film. Um went from nothing to being a big deal, sold all the emotional punches. Yeah, I thought he was really good.
4: Mine's similar. Mine's Tom Holkenborg, a.k.a. Junkie XL, because he wrote a score. <laughs> See, fooled you there, didn't I? Um, he composed a score for the film, um, apparently, first time around. And then when uh, Zack Snyder left the project, um, he was replaced by Danny Elfman and he written an entire new score for this version for Zack Snyder and I think he did a really good job the music is vastly improved in this uh, version the music isn't I mean the, the soundtrack isn't but the score is much better so yeah. uh, shout out to Mr Holkenberg. right change Victoria?
3: Oh, it's only a little thing. So, um, you know I'm a sucker for the cross the streams moment, don't cross the streams, right? So when The Flash is talking about he doesn't like to break this rule, he doesn't like to go faster than the speed of lightning because, because insert no reason. I don't remember him giving a reason. So... I think we should see him. This should be in the moment where they resurrect Superman and it's the, the no and the go thing. So at some point, like Alex has said, Cyborg changes his mind, but the Flash is doing his thing and doing his thing hurts him quite a lot. right? So I don't like to do it because it nearly kills me is the thing. So later on, when he has to do it for the box in the reactor fight, we understand the stakes of him doing it because unless I missed it, which is always possible... It was just a rule that he didn't like to break. Um, and I didn't know why. So you just, let's just set up earlier that if he does this, he might actually die, basically. And also it's a bit of a shame that he has to talk to himself. And I know that there isn't much of a way around it, but he's like, make your own past, <laughs> make your own future. It's like, I wish you just had a buddy there <laughs> to, to say it to, rather than saying it to yourself. That's it.
4: <laughs> nice. Uh, Alex, uh, I mentioned
2: mine earlier it's a it's a very little thing. Okay. It's the fact that when Martha Kent walks out of Lois's apartment, it's revealed that she's Martian Manhunter. I think that's um it just undoes that entire previous scene, which was loaded with emotion about a mother and a lover of Clark and how she's the only person who can understand how the other is feeling and all of that was literal nonsense by someone <laughs> pretending to be somebody because they want lois to come anyway whatever it was it was a stupid thing to
4: do because at that moment you're thinking martha kent is great and then it's not martha kent hmm interesting because that feeds into mine uh because my change is if you're gonna have martian manhunter in your film put martian manhunter all over this shit (laughs) alfred martian manhunter all along lex Martian Manhunter. Woman who owns the pet store. Martian Manhunter. That photo of Kevin Costner. Have it (laughs) turned into Martian Manhunter. I want him everywhere. That's good. (laughs) That's it. Yep. That is good. Right.
2: We're done. Here we are. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Uh, right, Victoria. It's, these were Ooh. your choices. You actually get to dictate who goes first. If we're still <laughs> perpetuating this myth that these were your well, choices, <laughs> let's see. Let's see
3: how much of a professional Chris Tilly is. So, Chris Tilly, you can go first. What a mess.
4: (laughs) I don't think I was very clear when I was just talking about it in terms of what hell this is. So I'll try and be more clear here. Uh, I've got an issue that I think both these films are lacking in thrills, both versions. I mean, I know serious and edgy is Zack Snyder's thing, and that's fine. I agree with you, Alex. Like, I think there's an interesting way of doing that in these films. Um, But Christopher Nolan's films were serious, but they also managed to be exhilarating, which I didn't get from either version here. I feel like we just got misery heaped on misery. Um, this four-hour version, like the Batman v Superman director's cut, makes a lot more sense and manages to inject more emotion into proceedings via the Styborg storyline. But I do think it's a slog. And a lot of times it felt like four hours of plot being explained and dragged out. However, um, the theatrical cut is a full-on disaster. So by virtue of being coherent, the extended version is a better film, meaning my vote is going to Zack Snyder's Justice Woo! League.
3: Ooh, um, Alex were surprises with your choice
4: uh, <laughs> what well, he's already yeah.
3: said is <laughs> I kind of have
2: I mean it's simple really one of these films is borderline unwatchable <laughs> and the other <laughs> is Zack Snyder's Justice League so Zack Snyder's Justice League is clearly the better film it's brilliant yes. and also it's brilliant it's not just the better film and maybe brilliant it's bloated it's still not great but it is so so much better than i expected it to be when i sat down to watch it
4: for the first of two and a half times <laughs> i agree. i do think i agree it is better than i expected it to be
3: really yeah. it's no it was
4: i think it's i still think it's really bad <laughs> yeah. but it's it's much better than i expected I just, it to I, be. You... I i it's, it's good it's not bad it's good <laughs> It is bad. It
3: is bad. <laughs> um, yes, I vote for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, but I don't think it warrants the runtime, though. Not in a million billion years, it is self-indulgent. Mm. It is overblown. It's grandiose. The music especially tells you everything that this the, the filmmaker thinks about this film and about themselves. And, you know, the choosing of the black suit, like, that... They've sacrificed a zippy story for moments like that, and I like the, you know, sort of hovering over the earth, and and I liked hearing Russell Crowe's voice, and so I was all, I was sort of in there for the journey, but I think you can get it down to God fucking hell, even two and a half hours, which is still a lot to ask of an audience. Um, I think. But it's better than that thing we watched, <laughs> whatever that was. That's one of the worst I've ever seen in my life, and I hated it. So that it wins by default.
2: Well, there you have it, three for three. Zack Snyder's Justice League
3: is the winner this week,
2: as it rightly should be, um, because one of them was a movie that no one really cared about, and this one is a movie that I'm probably going to finish this podcast and watch again. So that will be... Oh, have you been
3: brainwashed? Is there something in your copy? Like, are you in that MK Ultra? What's? How, why would anybody put themselves through it another time?
4: I think that the, the, the Snyder <gasps> Bros have turned him. He's frightened of the Snyder oh, okay. Bros.
2: I was in... I um, don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I was in Dawn of the Dead.
4: Uh a, oh, yeah uh... <laughs> next time we see you oh yeah Zack like snyder's
2: doing a new bunch of zombie right? films isn't he you're hoping I you're gonna get oh here we, go. Okay. Jackie, here we go jackie baby um so uh let's look ahead to the future oscar season is upon us and its tendrils have reached into the deep heart of Clash of the Titles. We are doing an Oscar season, four weeks of Oscar movies in a build-up to the big night itself, uh, which I will be hosting the coverage of on Sky Cinema this year, hence a connection. I like that connection. So uh, we're going to be doing a... Remind me, Chris, because
4: you have a really succinct way of putting this and I keep bastardising it. To celebrate the forthcoming Academy Awards, we are having our own Oscar season by featuring a former Best Picture winner every week for a month.
2: There you go. And I give you a clue on Tuesday's show, uh, on Monday's show, rather, which was uh, Punching Above His Weight, which uh, everyone laughed at because it was too easy. So, obviously, Christopher Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, you are going to be covering Rocky, which means, Victoria, you're going to be covering Creed. Great. Excellent. That's how we begin Oscar season. There's there's some crazy pairings coming up that I'm so excited about, but we'll, we'll deal with those as and when we come to them. Rocky versus Creed is our first Oscar season pairing. That is us done for this week. If you haven't already, do please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. If you could follow us on Twitter, at Clashboard, and Instagram, at Clashboard, as well. If you want to, if you want to, that would be amazing. Back on Monday